episode 136. Uh, I am Andrew and I've got my glow sticks on because I am here at a festival. I'm listening to music. Uh, music, the language of love. <laughs> uh, especially the doof variety. That is how you truly feel love, the human experience. Uh, standing over next to me with um, pupils as big as dinner plates, completely uh, disassociating. It's Theo. Hey, how you going? I'm um, good. I'm very I'm, good. Yeah, I mean, I'm also going very good. I'm, while at the same time, considering going home early. Oh, yeah. Fuck, I love going home early. Yeah, just maybe just like leaving oh. before the headline act. Mm. God, that's a good feeling. Classic move. I've been sweating all day. Mm. I'm out of electrolytes. I'm not ready for a little, <laughs> a little sleepy. I uh yeah I love going home before the point that I am like completely physically depleted, you know. Hmm. But that's I, just I me. feel like I've been like inured to that in Brisbane as well because every festival that you go to is just hot as fuck. It's just impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the big day out is for morons. It's. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's for people whose bodies function normally. Not me, though. Uh, and standing over here doing the Melbourne Shuffle and looking with disgust at a man with long blonde dreadlocks, it's Lucy. <laughs> I, I agree to one of those things. <laughs> Every day you are shuffling. That is true. <laughs> Disgusting. Oh, so gross, isn't it? It's so gross. The dreadlocks are the Melbourne Shuffle because they're both, both disgusting. Yeah, I remember being at a at a show once, and um, there was like this lady standing directly in front of me, and she had like the she had the I've just been on holiday to Bali long tide braids, mm, you know, classic. Um, and then she was like, "It's time to it's time to go off," and she just started like whipping her head around, and all these braids oh. are just <laughs> slapping me in the no. face. No, oh, no. Like, no, number one, we don't need the braids at all. Number two, I don't need any of them um, in or around my mouth. You know? Mm. Don't need that at all. No, thank you. Yep. And finally, um, over here, searching behind every tree for the presence of his elusive friend, Bigfoot. It's Ben. I'm going to find him, man. I can feel him. He's radiating a warmth towards me and I know he's somewhere out there. And he, he knows and understands the language of love, which we have established is techno. Absolutely. He's wearing those, uh, <laughs> the like shuttered sunglasses. <laughs> uh, and a big Kanye hat stunner shades. That says party rock on it. And he is oh. having a wild time. Are we at an LMFAO concert? I'm a little, I'm lost here. <laughs> what I believe people at festivals look like. <laughs> yes. Yes. This is, um, this is what, uh, what was, what was the camera one? I'm, number one, I'm thinking of Stereosonic, which was not a uh, camera one, oh. but they also had like a camera festival that was very much the type that people would, would be wearing the, the stunner shades at. Man, those electronic music festivals are weird where it's like 50-50, like just fucking burners that are there walking around on acid having a great time, and then like a bunch of extremely jacked shirtless guys who are looking to kill mm. anyone that stands on their foot accidentally. Yeah. It's a cool vibe. And we all come together. That's Chill. <laughs> That's right. It unites all of us. Oh, I, I love that feeling of um, being in the crowd at a festival and a shirtless guy um, in the summer sun pushing past you and leaving that sheen of his body sweat <laughs> across your own arms. Oh, 
So good. That's honestly, everyone. That's one good reason to keep the shirt on. As little of your sweat as you can be. One of many reasons. Unwillingly applying to strangers, mm-hmm. I think, is good. Um, and we're all looking around us at all times with great concern and suspicion and worry that at any moment uh, we're going to see some New South Wales police officers. Uh, that loathe enemy of the people that we all hate. We sure do. Why do we hate them? It turns out that there are tens of thousands of reasons. Hmm. Um, there were already a bunch of them that we were kind of aware of, but um, we've been seeing a, a lot of news lately about uh, unlawful searches by the police. There was a bit of news uh, last year around, particularly around uh, something that kind of came as a surprise to a lot of people, which was all of the excessive strip searching of minors without adults or support people present. I think that was one of those ones that made a lot of people go, should you be doing that? Just realize you meant like minors as young people. No, no, not. Let's see what's under that hard hat, pal. No, yes. not, uh, not that kind. But, um, and of course, as, as we're all very used to, the New South Wales uh, response, New South Wales Police Force's response to that was a hearty, why don't you fuck off and mind your own business? Um, but we've, we've been doing a bit of a look into it. Um, Ben's been doing some wonderful research for us. And the cumulative evidence here is pretty messed up. So let's start you off with uh, October 2018, in which the Law Enforcement and Conduct Commission announced an investigation into, quote, the use by police officers of powers to conduct strip searches under the Law Enforcement Powers and Responsibilities Act, or LEPRA. And we should probably put, uh, like, right up in the front here, um, a content warning to say we will be talking about strip searches a lot for the next 20 minutes or so. Yes, so, and yes. a, a yeah. lot of the stuff that we will be talking about borderline describes sexual assault uh, and also sexual assault towards minors. Pretty gross. So, mm-hmm. keep that yeah. in mind. If that's going to make you extremely uncomfortable or uh, bring up any awful associations of your own, feel free to skip ahead significantly. So um, let's let's take a look at a few of the examples here because all of this came up in response to, quote, a number of specific complaints and anecdotal information from a variety of community organizations. Um, let's review some of the examples here and see if we can establish any patterns that the police are showing us. So here's the first example. Uh, a 53-year-old man from Sydney named Stephen Atala was awarded $112,000 in damages back in June 2019 after it was ruled that he wrongfully submitted to an invasive strip search by New South Wales police officers in 2015. Love that timely justice. Mm-hmm. Love yeah. to wait five years to get told the thing I knew the whole time. Uh, so he was on his phone sitting on a wall in Darlinghurst at 3.30 a.m. Police officers approached him, asked him what he was doing, and he said he was heading home after drinking, which I believe we all consider to be normal behavior. Mm -hmm. Uh, The officers decided that this was suspicious because they believed that he was heading in the wrong direction if that was intended, where he intended to go. Uh, Thank you, police, for knowing more about how I get home uh, than I do. So he told the police that he had done nothing wrong and was going to contact his lawyer, at which point an officer told him that she suspected that he had drugs on him and would be searched. This is immediately quite the leap uh, from, hey, it doesn't seem like you have any reason to search me and I will be contacting my lawyer to, I suspect that you have drugs on me. Uh, this, this is going to become one of the very common themes here. 
they claimed that he resisted. They put him in handcuffs and searched him, finding no drugs. Also a very, very common theme throughout mm-hmm. this stuff. He was then taken back to the station where he was, as the judge described it, quote, forced to undertake, undertake the degrading experience of removing his pants and underwear, displaying his genitals, lifting up his genitals to display that area of his body behind them, and squat in that state of nakedness. This is all uh, a great outcome so far from sitting and talking on your phone. So this is from the decision that ruled in his favour. Quote, uh, Mr. Atala gave evidence that after this ordeal, Officer Cruikshank said, See, if you just did what we asked you to do, oh, this fuck. could have all been avoided. Mm. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. Officer Cruikshank accepted that this may have been said, saying, quote, It's quite possible that I did. Now, here, here's one of our primary themes here, is the cops seemingly not knowing what they have said or done throughout any of this, but usually accepting that it was probably unlawful. I don't like, remember being a huge shit, but yeah, I guess that sounds about right. Sounds like me. Safe That's a very me thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like it's it's very it's very alarming to me how many of these statements where the cops are talking to like a judge or someone and they say, "Hey, so you didn't um you didn't give this person like a valid reason to search them, or you searched them unlawfully, or you searched a minor without a support person or a parent present." Um, and none of that is lawful, and the cop goes, yeah, I guess. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, what yeah. about it? Mm. Uh, they continue, I find that this statement was made by Officer Cruikshank. The statement implies recognition in Officer Cruikshank of the hurt and embarrassment she had caused Mr. Atala, and an assertion, wrongly as I have found, that he, not her, was responsible for all those unlawful and damaging events. It also indicates that, at least by that stage, and perhaps from much earlier... Officer Cruikshank no longer suspected that Mr. Atala possessed prohibited drugs. There was no suggestion in her comment of surprise that nothing had turned up on Mr. Atala, even less that what had occurred was an unfortunate mistake. Definitely almost seems like a self-admission on her part uh, that she was using a very invasive police tactic as a punitive measure. Yes, to basically say, hey, you were not 100% cooperative and submissive from the instant that I engaged you for seemingly no reason. Uh, And as a result, we're going to improperly use uh, powers that we have to just just put the hurt on you. Uh, And of course, like you're saying, Ben, here emerges another one of our very present themes, which is that none of this is actually about uh, preventing crimes or apprehending criminals. It's just about saying, we can do this, so we will. So, uh, he was awarded damages for wrongful arrest, assault, and battery from both the arrest and the strip search, with another $35,000 in exemplary damages for what the judge called the officer's, quote, almost reckless indifference to the rules around strip searches. Here's another example. In October last year, the LECC held a four-day inquiry into the strip search of a 16-year-old girl at the 2018 Splendor in the Grass Festival. She was one of six children under the age of 18 who were strip-searched by police at the festival without a parent or guardian present. In New South Wales, strip-searches aren't meant to be conducted outside of police stations unless the urgency and seriousness of the situation requires it. So, on, I think, like, yeah. there are, we, there we are specifics about We talked a bit about this about on the, the last time, right? Like, late last year, where... Um, and. and when we talked about this in the last episode, it was specifically around... Because this is when just when they were... The 
um, people were starting to draw together all of these um, Splendor in the Grass and, and festival strip searches, right? And what we what came out of that was that basically the officers can say just about anything that gets them over the line that switches it to being quote unquote like an emergency search, isn't that the the, the case? Yeah, I, th- I think we I think we'll probably cover this in a bit more detail a bit further on, but. Essentially, what happens is that the police say, hey, um, for no reason at all, I think that you might have drugs and I would like to search you. And the person says, I'm not enthusiastic about that idea. And in the cop's mind, that flips a big switch to this is now an urgent and serious matter because if I don't search this person, they will have the opportunity to dispose of or destroy the evidence. Hmm. So, it it does say here, if it involves a minor, a parent or guardian has to be present, quote, unless an immediate search is necessary to protect the person or prevent the destruction of evidence. Um, So, after a false positive from a sniffer dog, and here is our third theme. Mm -hmm. False positives or no readings at all from dogs being used to justify further unlawful searches. Because in, in case after case throughout this, there is... A sniffer dog uh, indicated that someone had drugs and it was a false positive and they were found to have nothing and the person was somehow still punished. Or in a lot of cases, the dog didn't even indicate anything. So after a false positive from a sniffer dog, uh, this girl was taken into a tent by police and told to strip. The inquiry heard that she was asked to give her age and ID, but the police made no attempt to contact a parent or guardian. Again, it's, it's almost like the police have no idea of what their obligations are, of what their obligations are in terms of the civil liberty of policing. This is from a statement that she gave to the inquiry. Quote, uh, at that point, I realized I was going to have to get naked in front of this police officer. I couldn't believe this was happening to me. I couldn't stop crying. I was completely humiliated. I was absolutely shocked that the police would do this to me. Every time I saw a police officer at the festival, I started to feel anxious. My whole body would clench up and I would get clammy and hot. I was scared to make eye contact with them in case it happened again. Each time I walked into the festival, I would feel anxious. The inquiry heard that less than 10% of the 143 strip searches carried out at the festival found any drugs. It's so fucked. Like, just a 16-year-old girl going to Splendor, probably for the first time, like just you just think you're gonna have a great time with your mates you're just gonna hang out this is the first fucking thing that happens to you and then you spend like the whole three days walking back and forth into that festival just being fucking terrified that they're gonna do this shit to you again it's just fucking nightmarish well especially when like the precedent that they've set right at the beginning is we didn't need any evidence to actually do this or that the indication that we had from a drug dog to do this was obviously shown to be completely inaccurate um, and then we just did it anyway, and there was no kind of, you know, there was no oversight, there was no responsibility taken by the police, there was no support person there, there was no anything, and then they just say, oh, well, we'll get you next time, and, you know, release you. So, of, of course, every time you would see the many cops around the festival from that point, you would just be like, fuck, is this going to happen again? Uh, so this is from The Guardian, um... Oh, sorry, this is a this is a separate example here, another example for us. 
The LECC held public hearings in December last year over potentially illegal strip searches conducted by police at Sydney Under-18s Music Festival Lost City. Why are they... (laughs) Why do they have a presence doing strip searches at an Under-18s festival in the first place? The inquiry was looking specifically at strip searches done on a 15-year-old, a 16-year-old and a 17-year-old, all of which turned up no drugs. At least 30 strip searches were conducted on minors at the festival, according to the council assisting the commission, Peggy Dwyer, with only five of those 30 searches involving a support person for the minor. In one case, the support person was a 17-year-old Red Frog volunteer, also a minor. How fucking stupid is that? Like, I can't... How would you... Just even vaguely thinking about how that would look to anyone else as a cop and just being like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Well, like, I mean, all of this stuff keeps adding up to, and will keep adding up to just this idea that the cops have gone into all of this stuff with a predetermined outcome in mind. And that is, I will be strip searching a certain number of people at this festival, whether they're adults or children, whether they are accompanied or unaccompanied, whether there is evidence for it or not. Um, and that's going to be happening one way or another. And then we'll see what we can do about, like, you know, after the fact, providing some kind of explanation for it. So, you know, it says here two SES volunteers had been organized by police to act as independent adults for children being strip searched. When the LECC's chief commissioner, Michael Adams, asked why they were chosen, a senior officer said they were selected because they were from a, quote, reputable organization. Adams responded, yes, but it's not part of their ordinary duties to watch naked young people be searched by police. Gross. Like, I feel like you just shouldn't strip search children at all. Just mm. one girl's take. Oh, you hippie. Mm. <laughs> you bloody Crazy bleeding idea. <laughs> and like the, the choice of the SES here is also quite telling to me in two ways. Number one, that they obviously said, oh, this is a thing we cop grief about some sometimes, so we're just going to rope two people who are already at the festival into doing this as an additional duty. But also, I can't help the feeling that, like, um, SES would have been looked at as being, you know, pretty pretty amenable to whatever cops want to do. I I have the feeling that, like, cops would maybe look at state emergency services as a relatively as a group that would be well yeah like a, a group that would be agreeable and sympathetic to their to mm-hmm. their cause or at the very least wouldn't turn around and say actually i'm pretty sure you guys aren't meant to be doing this yeah there's like a massive power imbalance there an SES volunteer versus an actual law enforcement officer is like they're not going to be like no fuck you you can't search this kid well yeah it's like the difference between uh that and say the, i don't know the other example of this type of thing i was like like um independent election observers you know like people who aren't the they they don't have the same uh level of authority as a police officer or whatever but they but they are someone who has specifically been trained to say i know what i'm looking for here and i know what the requirements are around this and i can say with any level of certainty this right now is not meant to be happening yeah. Uh, but instead, it's, it's like, like if you if you're dead set on constructing this absolutely fucked up nightmare world where um, kids should be getting strip searched, um, but they should have independent observers there. They need to be lawyers, right? Like to be mm. satisfying the constraints of of this bizarre scenario that you're trying to um, 
construct, right? To be able to say, like you said, hey, this shouldn't be happening in the first place and just shut that down. Like, are we at the point where we are imagining a like a battle royale at a festival for miners between um, absolutely bizarre-brained, bloodthirsty police officers and lawyers who are just trying to shut this bizarre display of power down, right? Like, is that what it has to come to? Well, I mean, it's all it's all a direct result, though, of the police essentially having no accountability to yeah, the public. Yeah, abs- absolute carte blanche. And you can't tell me that this poor Red Frogs volunteer, and for, for international lis- listeners, um, Red Frogs are an organisation that um, uh, uh, volunteer services, um, they all get together in large events like this and like the end of year school parties and that sort of thing. And they go around and they make sure that people are having a good time and not fucking, you know, killing themselves and that sort of stuff. And to put this on the shoulders of, uh, you know, young minor um, volunteers is just like the next tier in um, in abuse to me, that, this, that they should have to bear witness to this as, as well. It's very, very strange, the whole the whole thing, um, and you can't tell me that these red uh, red frog volunteers aren't then just going out and being saying like, "Hey, don't talk to the police. Uh, don't if you see the police, go somewhere else yeah, because run. this is what is occurring." Well, well, keep that in mind when we say what what we're being taught at this point is: if you see the police at a festival, turn around and go the other way. Just park that in the back of your brain somewhere. Um, so, from the Guardian, this says that, uh, and apologies in advance for this. Uh, Dwyer told the inquiry that the 15-year-old was stopped after an indication from a drug dog, yet again. During the search, which was conducted without a parent or support person, he was told to lift his shirt and show his armpits before being asked to pull his pants down. And the officer told him to, quote, hold your dick and lift your balls up and show me your gooch, Dwyer told the inquiry. A gooch is a slang term for the space between the testicles and anus, the Guardian has helpfully informed us here. Oh, thank you. Um... Dwyer said the young person lifted his testicles and the officer bent down to have a look approximately one meter away from him. And this is a quote from the 15-year-old. I sort of froze for a bit, like, because I had my shirt up and then he's all like, right, now pull your pants down. And I was sort of like, just stood there for a bit. Like, are you sure? Like, do I just pull my pants down and show you everything or like what? And he's like, no, pull down your pants, hold your dick and lift your balls and show me your gooch. And I was like, okay. And there's, there is Christ. another recurring theme with this stuff, which is that, like, the cops don't, like, obviously, I know that this is stupidly obvious by this point, but that even throughout the actual process of the strip search itself, that the police don't proactively lead the process. Like, they, they get people to strip off, and when the strip search is done, they don't, like, tell them, you can put your clothes back on now. They wait until the person says can I get dressed? And then they're like, fucking whatever. They they don't, there's no step of this process in which the police seem to be, you know, even making the most cursory attempt to like help the people that they're doing this to in it's any way. It's just super gross. They're just terrible, terrible people. And it's disgusting that they have this job. I, d- I don't know, yeah, what sort of person you would have to be to be doing this job and saying... Someone who enjoys this kind of thing, who enjoys being powerful and being a real piece of shit. Just inflicting thing on, things on vulnerable people. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's what it is at the end of the day. 
the inquiry, this is also from the Guardian. The inquiry heard that another 16-year-old boy who was searched alone after he was found hiding a bum bag without any drugs inside was told to lift up his balls and to, quote, squat and cough during the search. Um, so, again, he's been caught with a bum bag that doesn't have any drugs in it, and that has been taken as evidence that he has drugs. Yeah, not really sure about the logic there. He did have a Drew- bum bag. So, yeah, you know, oh, extremely speed dealer areas. <laughs> what kind of sunglasses was he wearing? When he had <laughs> How reflective were they? Yeah, but yeah, like the the just a, yeah, but yeah, like the the just again one of the recurring thing indication from anything that this person was holding drugs, and then they searched the person and further found that they still did not have any drugs, and that they just need to push right to the end of this process to say, hey, hey, you know, what other way could we prove that you don't have drugs? Uh, during the search... Yeah, and this is... Oh, sorry, you go. Uh, during the search, he asked police, why is this happening? During a third search, a 17-year-old was told to, quote, grab his penis and lift it up before a male officer allegedly, quote, inserted his hands inside his underwear and made contact with his testicles. So... We're also, um... So we're describing literal sexual assault. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Very much. As a, as a means to an end, which is finding no drugs. So, this next example is, is also an extreme problem here. Um, a University of New South Wales study commissioned by the Redfern Legal Centre into strip searching by the New South Wales Police, presented a whole bunch of case studies, and these are a few of them. Uh, In one of them, a young woman in her late teens attended a music festival and was pulled aside after a drug dog sniffed her, but didn't stop or indicate by sitting down. Um, Did any of you guys see the clip from, like, the last sort of six months of that was going around on Australian Twitter that somebody had filmed at a music festival of a group of police with a sniffer dog standing next to a group of young people at a festival, and one of the cops is, like, putting his hand on the dog's ass and shoving it down to and, like, force takes the dog wow. to sit down. attempts oh, as well. God. Like, it's, it takes a few goes to get the dog to sit down. Yeah, it's almost like the dogs have been trained to not do that unless they think they have smelled drugs, which also they're apparently very bad at doing. They're not even good at doing it in no. general. They <laughs> suck. It's a terrible job for dogs. Oh. I don't th- make dogs into cops. Yeah. It's disgusting. Love of God, please don't. The don't. one pure thing on earth, and you turn it into a fucking cop. Don't make dogs into cops. Don't make horses into cops. Yeah. Because uh, horses aren't pure, but they are terrifying. And yeah, once you put true. like a, a badge and a hat on that, it's even worse. It's the one way to make a horse worse. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the one way to ruin a dog, <laughs> the one way to make a horse worse. Yeah. Uh, so, so, didn't even... Get an indication from the dog. Still gets searched. Her bag and jacket were searched. They found nothing. She was then ordered to strip, which she did, while police officers continued to question her, which they're not allowed to do. Yeah, weirdly, they have rules about interrogating people while they're naked. Yeah, yeah. Um, seems like there are some distinct issues with that. But they've just blasted straight past those rules? Yeah. Would you be surprised to learn? They sure did. Huh. They found nothing. Afterwards, she had her ticket confiscated and was told to go home. Fuck. What? Yep. Now, this 
this is going to continue on. So, give me one second. Um, she said that she had been sexually assaulted around a year prior to that and that in being strip searched, she felt the same feelings that she felt when she was assaulted. In another, a 19-year-old was stopped at the entrance to a festival by police when a sniffer dog indicated near her. Police said that they had, quote, got another one and took her to a separate room where a female officer made her strip and when naked, squat and cough. In both her strip search and a search of her bag, nothing was found. When she was released, her ticket was destroyed and she was issued with a six-month banning notice from Sydney Olympic Park. What the this fuck? is fucked up. Just what is disgusting. Going on? So, y- you get unlawfully searched, they find nothing, and then you get punished as a result of having not committed a crime? Basically? I, I don't know. Under- how is anybody's brain working? This is, this is one of the things that I get stuck on. How, how are their brains just... What, what is happening with the cogs? I don't... Well, I don't I, understand. I think we're going to work our way towards this because it is very, very natural to have the feelings that you're feeling right now, which is, what the fuck is happening? What is going on? What the on? fuck am I listening to? Because when I first read this, my reaction was like, I don't understand what the purpose of this is as a thing. Not, not just the strip search part, but the part where you get to the end of the process and you say, oh, Turns out um, you weren't hiding anything, uh, mm-hmm. either in your purse or any of your bodily orifices. And now it's time for you to fuck off. Yeah, you would think that maybe that's the part where you say, my bad, sorry. attempt, yeah, I'm, attempt I'm, to enjoy the rest of the show. Um, but instead, they say, how about we tear up your fucking $150 ticket to this thing and ban you from being able to come back to this venue for the next period of time? And like... Is, is the point to say, ah, oh, well, we didn't get you this time, but we know somehow we, we have psychically ascertained that you are guilty, perhaps from a past experience or one you intend to commit in the future uh, and we'll be punishing you as a result. Like, we didn't get you this time, but we're still going to make sure that you suffer as a result of this more, even more than the fucking, you know, the indignities that we just visited upon you. Or is the point to say, ah, well, we tried our best to bust you and it didn't work, but we've still got this. We've still got another thing that we can do to you, average citizen. Yeah, we, who we didn't will get do the last wrong. word on this. Yeah. We're not going to let you get away with uh, not being a criminal. <laughs> we're not going to let you get away with not being caught with drugs. Criminal scum. So. Get the fuck out of here. Again. Park that particular one in your mind, okay? Park park this getting searched. It turns out that you haven't done anything, but then they still destroy your ticket and make you leave the area. Park that one in the back of your head. In yet another example from the case study, a 20-year-old woman was stopped by police at the entrance to a festival when a sniffer dog followed her, not indicating... Uh, again, this is a very, very present theme... So, like, sniffer dogs are already incredibly unreliable, and I'm pretty sure that all, like, civil liberty organizations and most reasonable people consider them to be an illegal form of searching anyway. Um, But the cops don't even wait for them to give a positive indication anyway. So, it's like, they should just carry around a photo of a dog. (laughs) 
<laughs> just hold it near you. It'd be oh, cheaper. Yep. Just yep. You just point the photo of the dog at someone and say, "Oh, oh. hey, hey, the, my, uh, we got you." My Look dog photo photograph. is tingling. It's almost like they don't care about whether anyone's doing any crimes or not. Yeah, it's a lot like that. Hey, hmm. like um, yeah. I just I I. It's so weird because like very clearly, sniffer dogs are props. They are props for instigating any of these actions but that what we're seeing in like incident after incident is they don't even rely on that part they don't even wait for the part for the dog to give them a false positive they just go hey uh the dog that is attached to me while i'm walking near you is walking near you that's enough so this uh woman was taken to an area at the back of the festival in order to strip squat and cough Police observed a string and questioned her about it, at which point she had to explain that it was a tampon, which she found, quote, particularly traumatic and humiliating. During this time, the door of the room was not completely closed, which meant that passers-by could see into it while she was being strip-searched. Neither the strip-search nor a search of her belongings turned up any drugs, but she was then instructed to move on from the festival grounds to, quote, make an easier process. Whereupon, whereupon she was escorted out by police. I, I, it's so difficult to imagine a circumstance in which someone could look at this and find it to be a defensible process. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Um, it, this this whole time, and and I guess this is sort of why, you know, we've been setting the the horrible stage, and it is it is horrible. Um, the whole time I've just been thinking that anybody involved in this process that isn't a police officer should be party to this process, should understand what this process is, uh, who is undergoing it, and what it's doing to people, right? Because like you said, no normal person should believe that this is a defensible thing. The way that it's occurring, uh, the scale at which it is occurring, which we will get into, um, any, any normal person, any representative of the public uh, should immediately look at that and say, shut it the fuck down, even if it's, you know, even if their next stance is until we understand what's what's going on, right? And, you know, it's, it's clear what's going on, but, you know, if that's, that's the line you want to take, whatever. But the way that it's happening, the scale at which it's happening is absolutely indefensible and we should, um, con- you know, be continuing to hold our public representatives to account with specific examples and specific um, specifics about what is going on. Well, um, here is here is one final example for us here from the Sydney Morning Herald. Uh, a Sydney woman says a police strip search at Homebush Music Festival in 2018 forced her to relive a sexual assault that occurred just over a year earlier. Quote, I had to be stripped naked and I felt completely helpless and I was scared, said the woman whose ticket to the Midnight Mafia event on May 5th last year was confiscated by police despite nothing illegal being found. The woman, who cannot be named for legal reasons, said the experience of being cornered in a booth with two police officers was a refresher of her sexual assault, which she said was perpetrated by two people. It was horrible, she says. That's how it made me feel. All I wanted was to go to a music festival, she said. The event organizers refunded the price of the woman's ticket, but she said that that quote couldn't compensate for the psychological trauma that was caused. Uh, The Herald put a number of questions to New South Wales Police, including whether there were protocols to ascertain if a person was the victim of trauma, such as sexual assault, that could be exacerbated by strip search. 
A spokesperson did not answer the questions, but among a list of responses said, quote, Members of the public with nothing to hide from police should not be concerned about police searches. I think okay, that's I mean, we, demonstrably yep, yep. fucking false from everything yep. that we've just heard. Fucking yep. hell. That's this so is, fucking psychotic. Herein is our fourth major theme. Uh, that your rights and privacy exist at the whim of the New South Wales police force. If you didn't do anything wrong, you're supposed to happily submit to a search. If you protest, it's a sign of your guilt. And if they don't find anything, that's also a sign of your guilt. Yeah, and that's just this time. Next time, they'll catch you because you've entered the gaze of Sauron uh, and they have seen the, your sin within. Yeah. Um, mm. So, you know, whether, whether or not you get caught with anything, you will still be punished both in the form of being strip searched and then having something that you've paid money for taken away from you and being forced to leave a venue that you've paid to be at. Um, and if you did get searched and violated by the police, that's just the price that the public pays for the police being able to control the populace. Don't you feel safer knowing this? Oh, yeah. I'm sure mm. that like so many people feel really safe with the idea that at any moment a cop could walk up to you and say, I'm going to need to see inside you. Mm. Um, here's some statistics for you. Some good fun. Uh, strip searches are on the rise. An internal report compiled in November 2018 by the police force's Lessons Learned Unit. Which is the fucking... Wow. <laughs> so lame. So bad. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very funny concept if you have any kind of familiarity with like Australian policing and its collective like irreversible erosion of civil liberties. Um, they found a 50% increase in strip searches in New South Wales over a four-year period from June 2014 to June 2018. Uh, research from the Redfern Legal Centre found that strip searches increased from being used 277 times in 2005 to 2006 to 5,483 times Jesus in 2017 Christ. to 2018. They found that almost half of all recorded strip searches are of young people 25 and under. They also found that 10% of all strip searches in the field and 22% of strip searches in police custody in a station are of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Of course. A Freedom of Information Act request from the Redfern Legal Centre found that 122 girls under the age of 18 had been strip-searched by New South Wales Police in a three-year period from 2016 to 2019. Again, like, I, th I think <clears throat> once you get into the specifics of the criteria that need to be met in order to say, I think this person needs to be searched, that is, like so so much more stretched if you're going to try to apply that to like a 16 year old girl mm. it's just absolutely absurd uh, in a two year period from 2016 and 2018 strip searches were conducted on one 10 year old three 12 year olds 12 13 year olds 22 14 year olds and 49 15 year olds of the 5,362 strip searches conducted during the 2018-2019 financial year, 3,546, or around 66% of them, did not result in a prohibited drug, a dangerous article, or item being found. So, you know, we're already at this point talking about a shocking rate of failure in terms of the efficacy of this as a, as a technique for crime prevention or apprehending Which is going to be, like, pretty close to just random chance when you're searching people at a festival. Yeah, or even mm. anybody out on the street. Uh, in that same period of time, of the 11,533 drug searches undertaken following detection by a police dog, 
59 led to drug prosecutions. That is less than 0.5%. Uh, so at this point, I think we can just put go. all the dogs down, right? Oh, yeah, let them go. No, that's what I... <laughs> let them free. Well, we've already established that they're snitches, you know? That's true. They could yeah. choose to not do this. They could actively <laughs> they object. They could conscientiously <laughs> object. Mm-hmm. Poor dogs. Um... So, the first report out of the LECC um, from this inquiry came out at the start of February this year. It examined 113 local custody management standard operating procedure documents, uh, SOPs, all of which were different in regards to how they explained the rules around strip searches. Great. They found that approximately 97% of the 113 standard operating procedures did not correctly cite the threshold for conducting a strip search under the current legislation. So, pretty much all of their own guidance on what to do is incorrect. Is that right, Ben? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Except for, like, uh, five of them. Hmm. Only six of the 113 SOPs communicated the requirement that reasonable privacy should be afforded in those searches. Only three out of the 113 SOPs included instructions that the person searched must be allowed to dress as soon as the search was finished, and if their clothing was seized, they must ensure the person was left with or given reasonably appropriate clothing. And only eight of the SOPs, that's 7% of them, referred to the police's obligation when strip-searching children. So only... Only that tiny tiny little sliver of them even makes mention of the fact mm. that you I have I feel like if I was a police officer, I would be like, hmm, should I really be strip searching this child? You know, I might ask my boss or something. Just should we maybe check? check? Is this cool mm. that I'm about to strip search this 13-year-old without their parent around? I spent yeah. like 45 minutes looking for the correct documentation to set up my email footer. Lest I do it incorrectly, right, and get in and get in trouble, or worse yet, uh, be made to look like a fucking fool, and they don't give a shit about what the rules are around, uh, you know, how they are to treat um, people of the public in these extremely sensitive situations. Yeah, and especially, especially, particularly vulnerable members of the public. Um. But, as we all know, uh, a lot of cops, and specifically the New South Wales cops, seem to uh, thrive on just exercising their authority over people. And the younger and more unaccompanied somebody is, the less chance they are that they're going to have any idea of what their own rights are in a situation. Hey, I wonder if that's why they're meant to have somebody there to help mm. them out. Anyway, mm. let's not, don't get worried about that. So, a review of the legislation concluded that, quote, the only power to require the person to take a positive action in connection with a search concerns the removal of the clothing, opening the mouth, and shaking or otherwise moving hair. It is therefore at least doubtful that a person can be required to undertake any other physical action, such as squatting or moving breasts or genitalia. So, not only are they not even remotely meeting the criteria for what would require a strip search in the first place and also, you know, even further failing those requirements for uh, minors. But in a lot of the cases, the actual strip searches that they are conducting, they're not even doing them correctly in terms of what they're actually allowed to compel people to do. If you're wondering what uh, the police had to say about this, uh, it was mostly uh, Pobody's nerfing. (laughs) 
I think was the, <laughs> was the general statement for the police. This this is all shocking to me personally. Um, this is from a piece in the Guardian. A police officer who conducted 19 strip searches at a 2018 music festival has admitted to an inquiry that all of them may have been illegal. The senior constable made the admission under questioning at the Law Enforcement Conduct Commission's investigation into the use of strip search powers by the New South Wales Police on Tuesday. The commission heard that only one of these 19 strip searches conducted by the officer found any drugs, a single diazepam tablet, a drug used to treat anxiety and depression. Adams, uh, who was conducting the inquiry, asked the officer under what circumstances, apart from a suspicion that someone was hiding drugs in a body cavity, which police are not allowed to search, it would be urgent for an officer to conduct a strip search at a music festival. I can't think of any, actually, the officer replied. Mm. Mm. Maybe you shouldn't be doing it at all. Telling on yourself. Amazing. And compare this against, like, you know, what happens when someone gets caught stealing $20 from the till, right? Where we chop their hand off and we send them to the off-world colonies. Mm. And they're just like, well, well I, I guess I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a human. I'm just a, I just terrorised some people for no reason. Yeah, little old me. I'm not always going to get it right, uh, but I am living and learning. Fucking hell. Yeah, just, just imagine sitting in front of like an inquiry and saying, yes, I conducted 19 strip searches of uh, people. And then when they say, yeah. oh, did they meet any of the criteria for that? Saying, oh, now that you mention it, no. No. And c- can you real quick, real quick, just uh, off the top of your head, um, what would meet the criteria? <laughs> well, I don't know. F- fuck if I know. Um, uh, quote, there was no urgency at all in any of these searches, was there? Now that you're looking back, Adams asked. For you to do a search in the field, you have to have met both seriousness and urgency requirements. And there was no urgency, was there? No, the officer replied. From which it follows that there were no circumstances in which the search was lawful, Adams said. The senior constable agreed, saying it had been, quote, a massive learning experience. Fuck me. Oh, fuck off. Jesus Christ. Yeah, live, Uh, laugh, love, brother. You know, it's all just a journey, right? (laughs) Like, it's just a ride. I'm really learning now that I am thinking about this for the first time in my entire life. Thinking about this thing that I have been going out and inflicting on people en masse for several years now. And I would just say as an aside for anybody who has dealt with cops um, in Australia, and I'm sure this applies in other places, um, these transcripts are also staggering to me because I guess... um, a lot of people's experience with police in uh, Australia is that basically they have no responsibility to like show you any courtesy or explain what is happening or justify their actions or any of that sort of stuff. And as we have established over and over and over through the evidence here, that asking to have explained to you why something is happening or disputing the idea that you that you have done something wrong or or like should not be subjected to something like a search or arrest or whatever is pretty much always taken by the police as a direct challenge and threat to their authority at which point they will then bring the hammer down and so to read these transcripts in which 
somebody of a higher authority than the police is asking for some accountability or an explanation of something and to have them just say, oh, actually, I don't have any idea what the rules are, sir, is just, it's just stunning. Like, there is, there is no mechanism for a member of the public to just, like, ask a cop Hey, what are my actual rights in this situation? Yeah, can we just can pump you tell the me real quick here and uh, just go through what's supposed to be happening? Yeah, because that will just be interpreted by the cops as yeah, because, this person yeah. is is challenging. What's you. supposed to be happening is you're supposed to shut the fuck up, and we're supposed to be demonstrating and inflicting arbitrary and abstract power. Um. So, the inquiry previously heard evidence that drugs were found in less than 10% of the 143 strip searches carried out at that festival, and on Tuesday, Adams questioned how police were making determinations about who to search, asking whether they were, quote, taking a punt. As you said earlier on, Theo, the rate of success here is effectively the same as if you just walked up to people at random, which I think we can all conclude is what they're doing anyway. Oh, 100%. Uh, The officer agreed that it was, quote, not a good success rate but said that it was, quote, more than a punt, saying that police considered things like body language, that classic science that we all know <laughs> and love. It's yeah. very uh-huh. true. Mm. Uh, now, remember remember that little thing, one of the things I asked you to park in your brain earlier about how what maybe what the red frog people are saying to people is like, if you see the cops, go somewhere else because they're going to strip search you for no reason and throw you out of the festival for no reason. So the police consider things like body language, whether a person was, quote, fidgeting, and whether a person made a U-turn when they saw a drug dog. So if you see from a distance the random stop and frisk and throw you out of the festival patrol going around and you decide i don't want to be near them that is also a sign of your guilt that's the least suspicious fucking thing in the world seeing cops and not wanting to go near them means you're of sound mind Mm -hmm. so yeah i don't know if maybe like uh all of the piles of evidence about false positives and knowing uh, all, all the people who've been strip searched and shit makes people not want to go near the drug dogs um, and this is also from the Guardian relating to the strip uh, the 16 year old who was strip searched at Splendor that we mentioned earlier uh, quote the two officers involved did not make contemporaneous notes before conducting the search but entries in the New South Wales police database said that after a drug dog detection the girl had told officers that she had been near other people smoking cannabis yeah, on Wednesday. at a festival. Yeah. yeah. So she was standing inside or near a festival. Yeah. Uh, on Wednesday, the officer charged with running the drug dog operation at the festival was asked whether that justification would be sufficient to search a 16-year-old. Not based on what I have just read there, he said. And I'm, not, and I'm not clear whether or not he's saying based on the justification that's written down or based on the rules based around that I think 16-year-old I just, just learned. Are these, are these new? Is this the new edition? Is that a little oh. looky-loo at the regulation? And oh uh, boy, is my face red. Yeah, I mean, the previous, uh, the previous edition was just uh, rules and regulations. And then on a second page, it just says this page left unintentionally blank. <laughs> Um, you must be disappointed to read that there then, given that this is supposed to record a proper justification, correct? Dwyer asked. Correct, he replied. The report, he said, was never checked by a more senior officer, which is the usual practice, because officers had been allowed to self-verify reports made in the police online database. 
What could possibly go wrong? Just a fucking chronic allergy to oversight among cops. They cannot stand it. Nothing worse than being questioned by anyone at any time ever. Unless it's a judge, in which case you say, uh, well, I can't really be held responsible for what I did because I don't know what any of the rules are. Uh, the LECC also heard that in two cases, the quantity of drugs initially recorded by the officer increased significantly in the fact sheet sent to the magistrate, from 0.4 grams and 1 gram to 3.18 grams. The increase, by 795% in one case and 318% in the other, was potentially significant. In New South Wales, the point at which a possession charge becomes more serious, a trafficable offence, is 3 grams. During the inquiry, Dwyer suggested to the officer that the problem was that she had merely been copying and pasting between arrest sheets. The officer denied that, saying she had become, quote, muddled up. I think in the circumstances, you know, when you're doing all these charges, it's quite easy to get a little bit muddled up, she told the inquiry. Can you see that if it is quite easy to get a little bit muddled up, there are significant consequences for a patron then going to court to be charged with a serious criminal offence and then sentenced? Dwyer asked the officer. There is a possibility, yes. <sighs> Holy yeah. fuck. Like, just like, imagine being this cavalier about accidentally doing a tiny weeny whoopsie and then ruining someone's fucking life. Someone's just, fucking life. Just the extent to which, like the impact of what they are doing on, like, citizens just walking around doing their own thing, that is the part that seems to just register absolutely no consideration at any stage of this process. So in the inquiry into the strip searches of boys at the underage festival, an officer who in one instance did not ask one of the boys if he wanted a parent or legal guardian present told the commission that he was fully aware that he was legally required to do so, but didn't because he, quote, was of the view that delaying the searching of these persons would result in evidence being concealed or destroyed. Oh, and that just lets you get away with anything. Yeah, that's right. Yep. yep. On balance, we've kind of, we've just done that balance for you. Reasonable we've made suspicion. That which uh, I think we will go on to establish <laughs> is imaginary. Mm-hmm. So in November last year, New South Wales Police Commissioner Mick Fuller said that he sent a video to the 17,000 police officers in the state saying that he fully supported strip searching and warned that changing the policy would increase crime. In an interview with the Daily Telegraph, he defended the practice saying, my biggest issue at the moment is making sure that the public understand why we need to be a force and understand that it's important to have powers and use those powers, because if you don't, there are consequences. Uh, he seems in this statement to be much more concerned with making a show of exercising the powers than resolving any of the issues around hmm. like how they are exercised yeah, or what the yeah. impact is. You've got to know I mean, it should he, be exercised. If he cared, if he cared, I mean, we know that that those powers don't work. They don't work to reduce drug use. Um, all they do is terrorize the community. So if they cared, they would be taking the advice of just about any independent commission that has looked into this over the last fucking hundred years um, and doing community outreach and uh, looking at, at policy efforts that can uh, you know, change this, uh, addressing the underlying causes, not just randomly sexually assaulting people because they were at a festival, but they don't care. Like you said, they, they care about the exercise of power and they, they care that there is a clear division between these classes, right? Between the criminal and those whose unassailable role is to punish the criminals. 
um, and you know you're either one or the, or the other basically well i would go one further than that and say that i think that they're making fairly explicit that they're if their number one goal that they are i guess attempting to to project to the community at large whether or not this is what they're actually doing but if their number one like objective is to uh terrorize criminals batman style um then the people who get swept up in that are just it's just collateral damage that is necessary to the act of what they're doing, despite the fact that it's shown over and over again that it doesn't actually have a positive impact anyway. Um, he goes on to say, there will be a generation of kids that have no respect for authority and no respect for the community. Oh my God. And so we're going to make sure that that doesn't happen by degrading by them and humiliating making them. Making them hate us them. and s- yeah. be scared of us. Cool. Good yeah, plan, bro. Like, yeah, do we think that like being unlawfully stripped, traumatized, and then thrown out of a festival that you paid heaps of money to attend is going to make yeah, you respect love the cops. police more? Oh, thank you, sir. May I have another, sir? Mm-hmm. By respect, they just mean fear. Fear, yeah. They don't mean, yeah, they just mean that you should be fucking terrified of cops. And that's it. Well, New South Wales Police Commissioner Mick Fuller would like to make that explicit for you in the end of this statement. The reality is that we need to be a police force and part of that is searching people, which doesn't make everybody happy. I'd like to meet the people that it is making happy. Uh, But people need to know that there are consequences, especially those who are criminals or on the verge of being criminals. (laughs) Uh, Thinking about being a criminal. The fun idea. A criminal cusp. A a scared straight program. It's like if you crowdsourced the precog... Uh, concept from Minority Report. <laughs> uh, he says that they need to have respect and a little bit of fear for law enforcement. This is just an admission that it is a horrifying process, that it is a weapon, essentially. It's so fucking weird that they're happy saying this aloud. Although well, he was speaking the, to the Daily Telegraph, though, so... Yeah, well, I mean, I mean but, but it is it is the, the end point of this as a policy. It's not about preventing crime. It's not about getting drugs off the street. It's about making sure that the public know where they stand in relation to the police. And it's not standing, it's lying down on the ground with a cop's military-grade tactical boot on your neck. And there are consequences for not following the rules, except for us. We don't like that. Uh, No thank you to consequences. They're cops. They can do crime. They're allowed to do crime. That's Mm -hmm. why they take the job. The year is 3000. Uh, Crime is now legal. (laughs) It's a very do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do scenario. Um, Police Minister David Elliott was somehow worse than this, saying in November, quote, I've got young children, and if I thought the police felt they were at risk of doing something wrong, I'd want them strip-searched. Having been Minister for Juvenile Justice, we have 10 Is he implying for, like, mail fraud or something? (laughs) Like, how... How no, like it doesn't. A, it doesn't make any sense. It looks a like a ten-year-old at risk of doing something wrong was going to steal Call of Duty from an EB Games, and I really wanted him to be stopped. So I asked some of my police friends to strip search him. That'll teach him. But it's like we're saying though. It's it's so bizarre to hear figures in this position of authority saying the purpose of this is to scare people who are thinking about committing a crime. We are punishing people who have not committed a crime. To make sure that they're too scared to commit a crime. I have, in the yeah, future. like look, look what happens or when you commit a crime or when you don't commit a crime. Mm. Either way, to you. <laughs> either way. I think about committing crimes all the time. 
Oh, well, absolutely. It's the then, only thing that gives me joy. Mm. Then the police minister would like a word with you. Um, now, you would think that this couldn't get any worse, uh, but it does. So, it turns out that they set quotas for these searches. With a Freedom of Information Act request from New South Wales Green MLC, uh, David Shoebridge, finding... Thank you, that David. The, thank you, David. Thank you, uh, David. Friend of the show, David Shoebridge. Finding that the New South Wales Police Force set a quota of 241,632 searches, including strip searches, for the 2019 financial year. Um, and hey, they really hustled because they almost hit that target, performing 238,923 personal searches in that period. Uh, Shoebridge said about this, quote, that that is a guaranteed recipe for the abuse of people's human rights. These quotas will inevitably lead to the abuse of police powers. And what these numbers show is that on hundreds of occasions every day, there's this micro abuse of police powers. Uh, this is up from a quota of 223,000 in the previous financial year. Just another 20,000 searches. Why does it need to increase? Why? Now, here is uh, an extra fucked up part. Um, the, the same documents revealed that New South Wales Police also set a quota for 106,307 move-on orders in 2019, which was up from 85,000 the previous year. Um, and as we can see, they're applying these to the same people that they're unlawfully strip-searching at festivals. Um, and, and also, like, increasing these quotas every year is also, like... Increasing these quotas every year seems people to self-verify their own reports hmm. as to what the legitimacy was of the reason to do the search. But this was, yeah, this was the thing that like blew my mind was that they also have the quota for move-on laws because, again, if you cast your mind back to that second idea that I asked you to park in your brain, which is why are they strip-searching people, finding no drugs on them, finding that they have committed no offences... And then destroying their ticket for a festival and issuing them with a move-on order to leave the grounds. Well, it's because they get to double dip and hit that quota, baby. Why do they have quotas? The idea that police have quotas is extremely fucked up. Yeah, it, it's... Uh, there's always... Like it's a sales the, target. Yeah, yeah, and there's like there's always this mismatch between the concept that these laws and, and regulations exist to... Uh, you know, we have to put in reasonable, uh, you know, suspicion. Um, we need to put in all of these things that can stop the process um, when it's clear that it's just a fucked up idiot, um, you know, abusing their power. And that will always clash against the concept that they have these bizarre corporate KPIs to commit these offences against the public. Right? Like, the two are yeah. always going to be at loggerheads. So the police are incentivized to find ways that erode those liberties. It's truly a bizarre situation. Yeah, they're, they are just they are completely incompatible ideas that will only lead to one of two things happening, which is that they either fail their own institution's requirements to have done a certain amount of these things, and are then they, they then feel some kind of negative outcome as a result, or they fail to establish any of the appropriate reasons for doing things. Because, like you said, Theo, these are things that theoretically have stringent requirements around when they can and cannot be done and for what reasons they can and cannot be done. And so, if if that was actually happening, then the number that w was occurring would just be completely organic and related to real things that were happening as opposed to my dog walked near you, you know? 
A spokesperson for the New South Wales Police defended the use of quotas and said that the force had a business plan target, which was calculated on a three-year average. So it's literally a KPI. Mm-hmm. It, well, it's also like, that to me is, is fucking incomprehensible. It's like, what could that business plan possibly say? Are they fucking? Are they doing agile for like assaulting the public? We really got to. We really got to get to scale. Strip search tents. We got to. We got to move. Move fast and fail often. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> I, I. I literally had that thought halfway through this episode that they're they're just doing the Silicon Valley move fast and break things. Uh, except the thing is just the public. Well, uh, so they said in this statement, any time a police officer executes their search powers, they must hold a reasonable suspicion, our favourite phrase. Cool, that's worked so far. Great. Uh, The New South Wales Police Force deploys various proactive strategies as part of an ongoing commitment to reducing crime and the fear of crime in the community, which I think is very telling because that basically brings us back to the concept that the public should collectively be less afraid of crime, but that's because they're being afraid of the police instead. So you're, you're no longer as worried that everybody out there is walking around doing a crime. Instead, that fear has been transposed onto the idea that, you know, you shouldn't look suspicious to a police officer at any point, or you shouldn't be in the wrong place at the wrong time, lest you find yourself being dragged down to the station and strip-searched in front of a bunch of cops. Well, it just makes sense efficiency-wise for all of the crime to be at the one spot. Mm, that's true. Um, so, here's what uh, they've done about it so far. You might be shocked to find uh, very little. Um, last year, they released a consolidated guide. as The police released a consolidated guide to strip searches called the Person Search Manual, which includes such clarifying information as this. Uh, An officer who searches a person must hold the state of mind required by lepra. Where a power requires the searching officer to hold a reasonable suspicion, there must be some factual basis for the suspicion. Oh, so they're all unlawful in that case. The courts have provided the following guidance. A reasonable suspicion involves a less than a reasonable belief, but more than a possibility. (laughs) A reason to suspect... Uh this, This... Let's see what this does to your brain, Theo, this next sentence. A reason to suspect that a fact exists is more than a reason to look into the possibility that a fact exists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I understood so let's, that. Let's, let's, let's just run over this again because Go, this is one a more thing, time. All right. This is a thing that we've talked about one on the time. show in the past. I've, I think that we've probably hit on this a handful of times in different contexts. This idea of when is it, when is it um, you know, okay, as in, in the cop's mind, for the cops to search you? Because I'm sure that we all have either personal experience, personally experienced or know people who have uh, personally experienced being searched by the police for seemingly no reason. Um, I remember it happening to my brother once when he was like in a, in just kind of like the, um, what would you call it? Uh, the, just the kind of open section in the middle of like, um, Melbourne, like on Burke street, like a Burke street parade kind of thing. Um, like just sitting on one of the bench seats with a backpack and two grown men just walked up and sat on either side of him. Um, and said, we are police and we would like to look inside your bag now. And he said, why? 
and they said, well, you might have something in there, so you'll need to show it to us. Uh, otherwise, if you don't, we'll know that you're hiding something and we'll take you down to the station. And then he just let these two cops go through his backpack and then they went, okay, and walked off. Cool. Um, extremely cool and normal experience. But again, like the thing that I have always had in my mind is that the logic police are applying is uh, if I walk up to someone and say to them, I would like to do a search of your pockets and your bag and whatever. And a person says, what? Why? Uh, no, thank you. Then that alone is enough reason to suspect that somebody is trying to hide something from you. Um, so once again, here is what a reasonable suspicion is. A reasonable suspicion involves less than a reasonable belief, but more than a possibility. So you don't necessarily have to believe it, but it has to be more than just the vague possibility that someone could be doing something. A reason to suspect that a fact exists is more than a reason to look into the possibility that a fact exists. So you're telling me every time that they go to do a strip search, they're doing this fucking, you meet two men on the road, one can only lie, <laughs> bullshit. Like every time they're puzzling this out. No, it's not happening. Cops, it's famously smart as well. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, According to the internal report from the Lessons Learned Unit, it sounds like they're learning a lot of lessons, officers have been issued with step-by-step instructional stickers to remind officers of their legal requirements, in addition to rolling out educational screensavers. Are they children? During the summer festival season. What is it? Who has a screensaver? Like, just, just... you, you know all that time that you spend staring at your computer when you're not doing anything? <laughs> yeah, I love it. That's the yeah. prime time <laughs> to fan. learn. That's the prime time to learn valuable information about the civil rights of people that you yeah. strip hey, searching. Hey, how can we make sure that nobody sees this? Yeah. Uh, so they have done this to address a, quote, breakdown in the knowledge transfer process. I'm just imagining, uh, like, the entire act printed in size 0.5 font, um, done in that 3D kind of word art style (laughs) that that just bounces from corner to corner in the screen. A reasonable Um, suspicion is, oh, it's gone. (laughs) Now now the pipes are up. I think the breakdown in the knowledge transfer process is a very fun euphemism for um, none of the police have been trained to do this and have no idea what their obligations are. Breakdown in the knowledge transfer process. Happens to all of us. Like, Sim- before I was allowed breakdown. to, like, answer the phones at a service job, I had to do, like, you know, a full training course, tick and flick, and that sort of thing. They have to be reminded um, of these things that should be, you know, part of their understanding of the job, let alone the training that they have to complete and have verified before they're even allowed to go into the public and perform this task, which has, you know, this great power and impact over people. It's that, you know... I, that's fucking crazy. Purely ridiculous. Uh, so what happens next? Nothing. <laughs> no, nothing. Uh, this is from The Guardian. Uh, a landmark inquiry into potentially illegal strip searches conducted on minors by police in New South Wales has been cut short after the government sacked the commissioner overseeing the probe. Dusting my hands. My work here is done. Yeah, we looked into that. And, uh, on Wednesday... The Law Enforcement Conduct Commission confirmed it will no longer hold further hearings as part of the inquiry. Uh, it turned out all of them were making everybody too uncomfortable. 
um, which last year uncovered evidence of the widespread misuse of strip search powers by police in New South Wales. The LECC had been due to hold more public hearings in either late January or February into the psychological impacts of strip searching on minors, but in a brief statement, a spokesperson for the LECC said it had now no intention to call further evidence at this stage. Fucking great. Well, a related thing about this, which was talking about, like, um, part of the review into this was looking into the amount of money that they pay, like, citizens in damages every year. And it's like tens of millions of dollars. Um, and th- this was, you know, from the guy that they fired, saying, hey, I'm kind of concerned with this idea that the police basically use, like, the ability to pay damages as just this slush fund to say, oh, we don't actually have to, you know, adhere to any of our responsibilities or rules or anything about this. They're taking the Ford Pinto approach to civil liberties, where they've done the maths and it, oh, we can probably pay this out. Yeah, they've just gone, uh, well, hey, as long as at some point, if somebody wants to pursue this to the absolute end of the legal process... Uh, they'll get their $112,000, like the very first guy we spoke about. Uh, and then he's happy, you know? There's nothing that makes people happier than being illegally strip-searched by the police and five years later uh, having it validated by a court that it wasn't the right thing for them to do. People love it. They love it when they love happens. it. Also, not punishing the person changes. who did it, just giving yeah. you some money. Oh, like, uh, I think if there's anything that we all know by now, it's also that absolutely none of these cops will experience any form of discipline for this. No one will be fired. Might get some paid time off. Like, I I don't know how you can sit, like, at an inquiry and say, yes, I agree that I conducted 19 unlawful searches on festival goers sorry at this this one specific event and not have the next thing be that you stand down from the witness box and hand over your badge and get fucking fired and are not Mm. a cop anymore like how and then applying that template to uh, every single police officer that is found to have done this yeah i just i like i said i just don't understand how something that is such a such a base level violation of uh, not just people's civil liberties, but, you know, their their body, their just everything. Like, it's such a... Like, this, this specifically for me is, like, much worse than, say, uh, the, the other classic stereotype of, you know, the cops being extremely rough with someone and claiming that they were resisting arrest or whatever. Um, which I realize is also being assaulted by the police. But it's like, sure, like every, like Ben was saying, every one of these people is essentially being sexually assaulted by the police for no purpose. Just for no reason. And every one of them has to then live with that from now on. Every one of them has to say, hey, here's, here's a type of recreation that I was completely legally engaged in without any wrongdoing. And then I had this happen to me. And I got to live with that and decide whether I want to ever do this thing that I like ever again, lest it happen some more. 
extremely fucked up. Uh, cool. I'd, I'd say, no hey, good. submit some evidence to the inquiry, but let's just fire the guy who's running it so we don't have to talk about it anymore. Problem you know? solved once and Problem for all. Solved. Put that one back in the filing cabinet. Turns out we do not like to talk about it because we are the police. Um, so yeah, there is there is your very large and exhaustive picture. Uplifting episode. Uplifting yeah, I'm sorry, episode. This is such a huge fucking downer. <laughs> of how incredibly fucked up just this one aspect of the New South Wales police force is. Uh, fuck I don't really know the where police. to go from there, you know? I feel huh? like we could definitely say fuck the police. Fuck cops. Just fuck mm. cops so 1, much. percent. Uh, yeah, I just... I cannot fathom how anyone could work for that organization. Um, I do believe that working for that organization automatically makes you, like... It, it, it implicates you in the behavior of all of the other people who work there. Um, I personally do not entertain the idea that a lot of people like to, which is, hey... It's a few bad eggs. Hey, there's it's lots a lot of people. It's a lot of bad eggs. I feel like it's most of the carton. Yeah, I most feel like the basket's bad. Yeah, I'm just... Um, yeah. I, I, I don't like it when I'm talking to people about this sort of thing and they say, hey, you know, it's a really hard job uh, and the people... There's a lot of people, you know, who go into it because they want to do the right thing. Except... That as we can also establish over and over and over and over again, part of the reason that nothing ever happens as a result of any of this stuff is because there are never any police who will say, yes, this other officer was engaged in like incredibly unlawful conduct uh, and I will, I will speak to that and, and actually tell someone about it. So, you know, kind of doesn't fucking matter if you think you're one of the good ones if you also won't do anything about cleaning out any of the also absolutely endemic behavior of all the other cops. So, fuck you also if you're one of the quote-unquote good New South Wales cops. Uh, if you are a good New South Wales cop, please write into the show at mailbag at buntavista.com so Put that we can send you back an email that back. says, fuck off. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Terrible stuff. Bad stuff. And that's it for us, folks. <laughs> Every now and then we like to give you some facts. <laughs> some little facts. There was no diarrhea in this episode. I can't good. believe we didn't get to chicken picks. I really would have changed the tone of the end of the episode. Yeah. Well, well, would you like to quickly talk about chicken picks oh, for five no, minutes? We'll, let's before give we wrap chicken it up picks because... some forward sizzle. Uh, we'll save chicken picks for another episode. Okay. If you say so. Maybe Look you'll hear about chicken picks. Chicken picks. <laughs> uh, chick picks. Send us a chick pick. You know. Mm. Uh, yeah. Thanks for joining us. Uh, sorry to have to visit such a plethora of extremely unpleasant facts upon you. Uh, but hey, maybe you'll hear about chicken picks on a bonus episode this week. Mm. If you uh, join up over on Patreon.com/slash Punta Vista, uh, five US dollar redos a month gets you an extra bonus episode every week. Uh, so maybe you want to check that out. I don't know. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. I can't help you with that. I can't come around to your house. Uh, take the the debit card out of your wallet. I will. I'll bloody do it. You do have to pay for Lucy's return flights. Mm-hmm. Uh, when she comes to your house, takes the debit card out, holds it up in front of you, 
and reads the numbers out four at a time. Uh, it will be extra to get her to turn the card over so you can see the... Can get the code, code on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a bridge too far. Well, that's it, folks. Uh, and from all of us here at Punta Vista, we say... FTP. 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 Au revoir. Bienvenue. Bon voyage. Thank you, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye.